Welcome to Cangria, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. How do and, you do? And uh, what a week it has been in the big old gay news. Has it? You know what? Actually, right. It's been a little bit slow this week. I do want to start off with a bit of a somber note. And I think mm-hmm. what we'll do is we'll... we want I want to touch on a recent um, murder that happened okay. in New York. And frankly, we've, we saw this happen in the news. We tried to cover a lot of the biggest LGBTQ stories. And this one certainly blew up. Uh, for a number of reasons. A couple of weeks ago, last week or the week before, mm-hmm. um, O'Shea Sibley was murdered. He was at a, a gas station uh, with a few of his friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were playing some a Beyonce track. Uh, they were dancing, just you know, having a good time. A group of uh, younger people, um, sort of early 20s, late teens, uh, didn't agree with these four or five flamboyant black gay men dancing mm-hmm. around to Beyonce, voguing, uh, you know, the, the whole nine yards. Uh, and uh, there was a disagreement. People, mm-hmm. random strangers kind of broke up what was almost going to be a fight. Um, however, right at the end, uh, unfortunately, where most of the group had broken away, uh, Dmitry Popov, uh, who is 17, mm-hmm. um, ultimately moved forward and stabbed and killed O'Shea Sibley. Uh, it happened around 11.15 p.m. on July the 29th, so about two weeks ago, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, he has been charged as an adult with second-degree murder and criminal possession of a weapon. Um, he's also been facing, or will be facing, hate crime murder charges um, as well. This has garnered a lot of press. Um, I believe last week, Beyonce herself responded to uh, this incredible incident. A lot of um, LGBT folks have responded. Mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people, it's this idea of being safe. You know, can you imagine just just last week, just uh, days ago, days mm-hmm. ago, uh, driving into Ottawa with my younger sister, we put um, some house music on from the early 2000s that sort of reminded us of what my sister listened to at mm-hmm. the time. And we were jamming and, you know, screaming Evanescence and just having a good time. I can't imagine if that was maybe Lady Gaga and we pulled into a gas station um, and that could be it. That could be game over because somebody mm-hmm. didn't like the look of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that sense of being safe enough in a space uh, without having to constantly worry, is some idiot 17-year-old going to stab me because I'm dancing to Beyonce? I mean, the weird tragedy is that um, incidents like this are a hair's breadth away from happening more and more recently. Every single week, I see at least a couple clips somewhere on social media, the news, somewhere of some incident that happened uh, often in New York State, but all across the United States where something happens, a fight breaks out, um, People are running around doing crazy stuff and it looks like something's about to happen and people just 
getaway and everything's fine. Maybe there's some shoplifting, maybe, you know, a, a car window gets kicked in or something like that, but ultimately it's fine. And it's been happening an awful lot lately. And I don't know the, the sense of safety, the, the fact that it does cross that line a little bit more often um, when there's queer identified people involved and a little bit off, a little bit more often in the grand scheme of incidents. But then when you think about like how many queer people are there, that means that there's a lot more people getting affected. But anyway, I don't know. There's just, there's, it seems like it's, it's a year of chaos lately. Um, I mean, last week there was a riot of, uh, I think they estimated somewhere around 4,000 people just because someone is handing out playstations and New York got overrun. So this is this is not a queer story, but it, it just it seems like there's a lot more chaos going on recently. And it's I don't know how to process it, but it does seem that that random chaos does seem to be crossing the line into something genuinely life threatening a little bit more uh, when it comes to some communities than others. And it is concerning. You know, it makes me wonder if it's. There are so many people who have been impacted by this. Uh, O'Shea Sibley was a uh, dancer, um, mm -hmm. you know, had a huge network of friends and family, all of whom were impacted by this. The folks that knew young black gay men who happen to be traveling past the gas station, mm -hmm. um, I imagine are going to be impacted by this. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot. But also that 17-year-old, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like how many things have had to go wrong with stabbing somebody seems to be the best exactly. course of action in that moment because yeah, yeah, they yeah. were dancing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like Footloose has got nothing on how ridiculous this has become. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I, I, I worry that the temperature, and we've talked about this a lot. We, our show tends to, you know, last week we were pointing out some of the ridiculousness of boycotts and how, um, the majority of people are, you know, really just unbothered by all of it. But I think on those very fringes of mm -hmm. hate, the temperature is rising so high mm -hmm. that seventeen-year-olds think that stabbing someone is the is the course of action that should be taken. You know, I don't know how we come back from this or how we dial it down from this. And I think America and America's political leaders, um, and to a great degree, Canadian political leaders, need to start being very careful with language that they're using, language that I'm not surprised that this happened. And I think that's the biggest tragedy here, that this yes. man lost his life is is terrible. But the fact that he lost his life and it seemed unsurprising, um, yeah. I think is the real tragedy. Yeah. And, and if you pay attention to the news coming out of London, um, English London, not Canadian London, um, incidents like this are even more common. Uh, knife crime there is really spiking up. So, I mean, it, it's, I don't know, there's something, there's something happening and, uh, it's hard to pin down what it is. Um, I saying, you know, the politicians need to watch what they say a little bit more. I don't think the kind of 17 year old who would stab somebody in a disagreement is even watching the news, let alone paying attention, the choice of wording from politicians. Uh, but I don't have a solution otherwise. I don't know what to say. I, I mean, mean I, I'm going to push back a little bit there because there are adults in their environment. You know what I mean? 
political mm-hmm. difference, how you discuss people that you disagree with. Mm. If adults are seeing this vitriolic hate and feeding into it, then the politicians are feeding into it. You know, it's leadership from the front, you know, and from the top. You know, I think we can't change everybody's mind, but this is unacceptable. And I think making that seen and heard um, can help to set the tone. You're right. We can't speak to every 17 year old. That's not possible. But this kind of brash reaction, this not pausing to think, and this feeling that because you disagree with it, you Mm. have to be violent in suppressing it. That needs to be stopped because otherwise there's going to be another O'Shea Sibley Mm -hmm. in days, if not weeks. I mean, if I were to push back on your pushback, I would say, uh, I would again say- We're having a tussle here at this point. Yeah, we are. Yeah. I I don't think your average 17-year-old cares about that. What I think your average 17-year-old does care about is uh, Twitch streamers, TikTokers, and other social media uh, figures who make their business out of reacting like reaction video uh, social media is a thing and I have seen more than enough clips where someone's like well that person doesn't really know what they're talking about we really should just drag them into an alley and burn them alive or something like that you know like it's because they disagree with you on what the appropriate tax rates on 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 tariffs should be or something you know um, there is this sort of escalating language where a lot of of people and i've seen this in left-leaning and right-leaning spaces and it it that's what attracts clicks obviously the people who speak like this don't actually want violence but talking like that is what gets the clicks it's what gets you the audience and just the sort of implicit approval of of stabbing your political enemies and not listening to them and don't even pay attention to them. And it's kind of coming from all angles. You can believe one ang- one side is more guilty than the other. I wouldn't question that you do believe one side is more guilty than the other, but both sides are guilty or all sides are guilty because I don't think it's a left-right thing. I think, I also think left and right is not a myth, but like oversimplification of the reality of political orientations. I think it's more than just a, a line and you go left or right. I think it's all over the place. But anyway, um, yeah, no, it's it's... There is just this thing in the culture where, you know, if some if two people disagree, then there's an article that so and so destroyed this other person. And it's no, 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 no. They they brought up a point and the other person said, I have no reaction to that. And then they talked for another half an hour. Like it's 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 weird. I don't know. I, I think it's the entire culture as a whole. Um, and I, I, I stand by, uh, you know, your average teenager does not care what a backbencher has to say about anything okay well i'm yes maybe but it's more about conversations that we have with each other Mm -hmm. as adults are heard by other people in the room yes 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 you know what i mean and if that kind of hate is normalized Mm -hmm. in your kitchen table Mm -hmm. in the car driving to and from school or in, uh, you know, the the hockey changing room or what have you. If mm-hmm. those kinds of vitriolic, hateful conversations are normalized in all of these places, then mm-hmm. that's going to be normal. You know yeah. what I mean? And and that's the concern here is that we are really dialing up on that hate and that uh, us versus them mentality that mm-hmm. these extreme reactions 
are going to happen more and more as a result of it. So I think we need to be careful about conversations that we have with each other, mm-hmm. um, conversations we have with those who might be looking up to us or listening to us um, mm-hmm. to make sure that we're lowering that, lowering the dial on, on what's happening here across the board. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't turn back the dial on O'Shea being brutally mm-hmm. stabbed. And I think it might be too late for that 17-year-old as well. Um, the yeah. wheels of justice are going to move promptly over top well, of it uh, I mean, at this there's point. A lot of violent criminals who find a surprising amount of peace going through the justice system. Um, there's a lot of resources available. You, you see documentaries all the time about people coming out and saying like, yeah, I went to prison because I was a hateful person. Not that that makes any of this okay, but I'm just saying that, like, it's, I don't know, There, there's, I never think it's, I mean, it's too late for Oshi, unfortunately, but I don't think it's too late for society. I think we, as a society, can turn around. And this is going to sound a little bit corny, but it really is through just perspective taking and compassion. You know, somebody you disagree with is saying something that you disagree with. Why would they believe that? Why would they say that? A lot of people just default to, well, it's because they're crazy or because they're stupid or because they're lied to or because they're misinformed. No, they just, they they came to those conclusions through different means. And what are those means? Can you understand why they, you don't have to agree with with the conclusions they came to. Just why did they come to those means and Mm -hmm. how did they come to those means and try to humanize them as a thinking person who's working on different evidence from yourself. And that's it. And that doesn't corrupt you in some way, trying to take the perspective. And hopefully next time you disagree with somebody, you can just say, well, we disagree instead of stabbing them, ideally. I don't know. Maybe we're we're just being overly optimistic. It's just been chaos. <laughs> I, I remember when I was in high school actually learning about, I don't know, just history in general i remember asking my mom what was 1969 like because the more you read about 1969 like that year was chaos everything happened that year there's all sorts of stuff happening with like um uh peace rallies and you know the civil rights movement and that's when stonewall happened it was just like everything all at once and my mom said like "Eh, day to day you couldn't tell that it was 1969 but then in 1970 you look past on the past year and you're like oh man that was chaos i i think I regret wishing that I what I knew it was like to live in that year because I think we're living in an equivalent year right now. It's just hot chaos constantly. But in the day to day, all you're doing is buying bananas and being late for the bus. So well, it's really weird. You wouldn't History catch me bizarre. buying bananas, but you no, would catch me being late for the bus. Or so mushrooms. Is, your your um, hatred of mushrooms is is uh, uh there's a saga. Uh, with Vikings involved in in how much you hate mushrooms, yeah, I'm 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 coming around to mushrooms. I can say this quite confidently, and uh, and that is that I don't believe my mother is currently listening to the radio, uh-huh. and uh, I have a suspect. You know, I think this is just one of those things about growing up. Going to sidebar to a slightly more cheerful topic before uh-huh. we jump to a song, but yes. One of the things that I think is just about growing up is, you know, you realize, wow, I've never liked X as a food. Mm. And you go to a fancy restaurant and then it's on your plate or you go to, you know, someone's house and their their mother or wife or whoever or husband has made a dish featuring X Mm. ingredient. And you realize, oh, 
I just didn't like how my parents had made <laughs> X dish. <laughs> it turns out um, yeah. I have a sinking suspicion, and no one tell my mother, but I have a sinking suspicion that um, she may not have been cooking mushrooms in the best way um, growing up. Yeah, they were kind of... Yeah. It, for me, it was the texture. They, it's, it's, it's the same reason I'm not a fan. I love cheese curds. Not a fan of really fresh cheese curds. The oh, the squeak extra squeak is oh. like nails on a chalkboard. Squeaky I cannot cheese stand is it. Heaven, I don't know what you're talking about, but yeah, overall, uh, for me, it was fish. My mother openly admits to being not so great at cooking fish, um, shellfish and stuff. Um, she brought home live lobster on a couple occasions, crabs, mollusks, no problem. Fish, not so great. Not 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 very good at doing that. And then as a grown-up, realizing that actually fish, yes, please. Um, and yeah, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. That's a total aside. Yeah. Uh, anyway, moving we, on. Let's <laughs> jump to our first <laughs> track. This is Mundane by Moira and Claire. Now, Moira and Claire are from uh, Antigonish in Nova Scotia. Um, mm -hmm. I do know how to say that place's name, Antigonish. Uh, and now they're hanging out on the West Coast. So they've definitely wrapped up a, uh, a good travel plan getting from East to West. But uh, they've also made some great music in the process. This is Mundane by Moira and Claire. And we will be back just after this. I sleep through my daily alarm Lay in bed till one o'clock What's the point in getting up? It's all the same, all the same I've been working on my degree To get the future they expect of me Find a way to play it safe Every day, every day But I get this feeling Drop out of school
Hello and welcome back to Cangria, home of Canada's Korean media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. Excellent. Now, we earlier today, uh, mm -hmm. I managed yes. to talk Jake. Well, actually, I didn't talk him into it at all. Um, I just put it on and he said, what are you watching? And I said, it is a surprise. Uh, and we watched Red, White and Royal Blue. Okay. And I liked it. I I will say the book is better. But I would say the book is better because of the the sort of standard reason why books are better than adaptations, in that there is so much more detail in the book. Mm -hmm. It was a two-hour movie. Would have, you know, it was more than two hours worth of book. There are a few rare occasions where the adaptation is better because there's flaws in the original that they correct when they make the adaptation and the best ones are the ones where the creator is involved in the adaptation weirdly enough the first i think it's 1986 teenage mutant ninja turtles movie the guy who made the comic said the movie is slightly better <laughs> but it's anyway complete aside but yes i know what you're saying the the original is often better than the adaptation uh, uh hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy famous example i don't think anyone's gonna match douglas adams original absolutely yeah no it um so it it was a great book. I highly recommend it. It does have uh, a few steamy scenes mm -hmm. uh, in the book mm -hmm. um, that does go into uh, you know cursory detail. I think it's um, uh, teen fiction, but on the older end of teen teen fiction. Um, quite an easy read. A great uh, great book overall. But okay. these steamy uh, steamy teams, steamy scenes mm -hmm. uh, there we go tongue twister uh has gotten it into a bit of a uh, bit of hot water with the uh ratings agencies mm -hmm. um now just to give you an idea there's one scene i don't think i'm doing much of a spoiler here okay. uh where prince henry who's one of the two main characters uh prince of britain um is playing water polo but then after the water polo match things get steamy uh, mm -hmm. but it's mostly just cutaways to him on a horse doing uh not water polo polo without the water polo. Regular polo. <laughs> just, okay and then uh yeah and it's just like dramatic cross-cut edits you don't see anything it's very very heavily insinuated um and the other bit that's sort of evident is, you know, that there's, you know, they're staring into each other's eyes. They don't have a shirt on, and you mm. you can see like some kneecap, you know, just up by by their face. Okay. So you're like, oh, either you know, like obviously something's happening, mm -hmm. obviously, uh, but it's yoga. You no, know, unless you're scandalized by kneecaps and heavy breathing. Okay. Um, yes, that's about the gist of it. But you're saying that, uh, yeah, this uh, kneecaps included have made this unpalatable in some places. It's. I mean, I've not seen the movie. I've not read the book. All I know is that there have been. Uh, it's been given a. Uh, oh God! This and there's another movie actually that got a a very heavy-handed rating, um, for the inclusion of these scenes and. You don't really see anything from what I understand. I mean, you can confirm that. You don't you don't see any uh, genitalia. Do you see a bottom? No. Oh, no. wait. Okay. Yes. But that's you just... that's like oh, it, it, classic rom-com. Someone's dashing around and the camera's behind them and they're like, "Oh no." 
you know. Oh, okay, you, okay, yeah. You know, they're holding a Kleenex to hide, you know, whatever, and you just see their bare bottom at the back. You know, very classic rom com, bare bottom scene. Nothing that you wouldn't have seen in that uh, fruit, and uh, actually, it was all fruit, wasn't it? The the fruit scene in uh, Austin Powers. Oh yes, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. They're, if you've, they're if naked you've seen and they Michael just, Myers, like... but you, you, that's, it, there's nothing worse than that. Yeah, yeah. Would you like some some cream in your coffee? That whole thing, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been given a a R rating for the inclusion of these sex scenes in there. And there's another movie that was given an NC seventeen. And critics are starting to wonder about these review boards and how, um, pretty graphical sex scenes have gotten into movies and just been rated A or rated like. Is there a PG eighteen? All ages? No, it's not all ages. I don't know what. It, anyway, a stronger rating, but you know, maybe not PG, but not adult supervision required either. And uh, the moment it is two men or two women, it gets a completely different rating. Now, there's a lot of uh, a lot that you could say about you know this uh, this little scandal here. Uh, my attitude is, uh, if you want to censor sex, censor sex across the board. Um, I don't think children should be able to wander into a movie theater where there's sex going on either way. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with a rating, even if it's like, you know, if your parents are with you, then that means they're okay with it. So whatever, that's their business. Um, but if you're going to do that, do that for everything equally. And uh, I used to just be against censorship altogether, but then I don't know. I, I've seen European pundits talk about the North American movie rating system that, you know, we allow human centipede to happen we allowed uh the i don't know if you remember the opening 45 minutes of predator where arnold schwarzenegger shoots literally every bullet in the world at a small village and we're fine with that uh and then you see a little bit of thigh and all of a sudden it's rated r mm -hmm. and that's weird you know the the number of places in the world that are very different cultures from, from especially american culture canada whether we like it or not is more similar to the u.s than we like to admit um, why are we totally fine with gruesome scenes of violence? But the moment you see a bum, you know, good Lord, don't show the children. A lot of people in Europe are like, I would rather have my children exposed to a bum than to graphic violence. Thank you very much. Some of that's just cultural differences. But, you know, when, when I started hearing arguments like that about the nature of cinema and what we should and should not allow, it's like, you know, OK, there's differences. You could open my mind to, you know, a different argument. And I think in this case, it's just a matter of it doesn't matter what it is so long as it's consistent. You know, if you're going to say, don't make it easy for kids to walk into a theater where there's sex happening, do that across the board. Apply it equally. Mm -hmm. You know, doing a different rating for, for gay sex is just, I don't know. If you're against sex, you're against sex. But it's your business. You I know? think it's worth sort of drilling into this a little bit more, de you know, in, in a bit more detail. You know, if mm -hmm. things are consistent. Yeah, that's really what we're arguing here for yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is just yeah. consistency. But if yeah. it's, you know, if you've got a bit of ankle showing and it's a man or woman, it's like, oh, oh, oh well, they won't they. But if it's a bit of ankle, you know, and it's two men, it's like, oh, this is immediately subversive, immediately, mm -hmm. um, you know, very, very taboo. And when you beg the question of, OK, but why? Mm. Why is this? sex scene where if they were opposite genders it would have a lesser certificate rating why is it that this one is rated higher and if it's only because they are of the same gender then yeah. is it a religious decision mm -hmm. and should religion be deciding our 
our movie ratings? You know, is it a moral decision? In which case, are the morals here reflecting the public at large? You know, mm-hmm. I think that that's really what we're coming up to is, you know, we're like, fine, you want to you want to protect the audiences. We get that. We're all for that. But mm-hmm. the minute you're inconsistent, we're going to start asking the question of why. And when you start looking at how to answer that, yeah, then it becomes a very tricky situation. You know, is is it just being censored because of the homosexuality? Um, yeah, it's a it's a great yeah. film. You don't see, you know, there's, yeah, if yeah, this is it's a great film. Uh, hardly any nudity at all. You don't mm-hmm. see anything at the front, uh, and it's a lovely film. Uh, Jake said it had a lot of loose ends. And I said that's because they cut about four characters out of the book. <laughs> like a whole subplot was cut out. Um, you know, and that's what I was saying. The book is better. It, you know, it definitely ties up a lot of things in the book. Um, and it's a nice, easy read. Um, but yeah, great mm. film. Now, that's not no. the only one to get into hot water. I think the film you were referring to earlier was Passages, uh, which I think uh, is an Australian movie. Yes. Um, that came out. French, um, French film. Oh, is it French? French um, yeah. There is an Australian movie as well that just got banned, I want to say, in the UAE or Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. There's another one this week. There's a lot of them that happened. David Tennant has come out um, swinging in support of Good Omens 2. Are you familiar with Good Omens? I've read the book. It's a it's a Terry Pratchett and... Oh, what is his name? He wrote... Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman, yeah. Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett co-authorship, and it was it was really good work. Now, unfortunately, um, Terry Pratchett did pass away. Yes. And I believe that Good Omens 2 is heavily inspired by the first ones. This one is co-written for TV by Mm -hmm. uh, Neil Gaiman. Um, But you can kind of feel the lack of Pratchett presence. Yeah. Good Omens 2. Yeah, um, it, one of my favorite Pratchett facts, I saw an interview with him and somebody asked him, where did, where does all his comedy come from? And he says, it's not comedy, it's anger. He's angry at the world for being a garbage place. And he he channels that into, like most of his, his comedy comes from the stupidity of actual human history. Uh, and it's really interesting when you actually look at something like, because Good Omens is basically him being angry at the church or him being angry at religion. Uh, and trying to spin that into gold. And mm-hmm. there is that that sort of anger, I guess you could say. John Cleese actually wrote from the same perspective. It's really fascinating. Well, it is the Christians who are upset with Good Omens too because of really? its betrayal of, of religion. Okay. Um, and also because it really, the, the thing that pulls the whole series together is the relationship between uh, Crowley and... Uh, Oh, Astafel, Aristafel, Astafel. Mm-hmm. I forget his name. The male demon, uh, the male mm-hmm. angel, uh, who's played by Michael Sheen. Uh, but yeah, Aristafel, Aristafel. Uh, it's going to come to me. But yeah, no, it's about the relationship between the two of them, which you know they're both played by by uh, male actors. So there's a little bit of that, mm-hmm. but predominantly it was the anti uh, the anti religion piece that uh, peeved them off. Now, Barbie has been banned from Kuwait and Lebanon this past Mm -hmm. week as well. And the reason why uh, Barbie was banned was for promoting the homosexual agenda 
um, as well in both of those places. Now, have you seen Barbie yet? I have not. I You're have one not. of five people who have not I seen know. Barbie yet. I also this is completely unrelated, but it's also been banned from Vietnam, the Philippines, and China because in one scene they show a world map where Taiwan is not a part of China. And the, the Chinese border along the West Edge is not where it, quote unquote, should be. So a bunch of because that one scene, it's been banned in a few places, which is just geopolitics and cinema is fascinating. This is not the first time something like this has happened in cinematic history. But anyway, sorry, go on. Well, it's the been... the piece that I like in terms of queer culture coming out of Barbie, mm-hmm. um, a lot of gay actors were cast uh, throughout this Uh mm-hmm. And one of them is Kate McKinnon, who used to be on Saturday Night Live. Uh, She also featured in the all-female remake of Ghostbusters. Very, very talented female comedian. I love everything she does. Uh, She plays Weird Barbie. Yes. Which is a Barbie that you've played with too much and has got like makeup drawn onto the face and the hair's been cut jaggedly. And it's like, it's a play on... Um, you know, Barbie dolls that have been used and a little bit abused mm-hmm. um, and they look a little rough around the edges. They're now releasing the weird Barbie, Barbie. Okay, okay. Now, I realize that Mattel being a very much capitalist company built on selling toys, mm-hmm. having a movie where they can release a number of new toys um, is not not a bad idea. I'm sure their uh, their shares are going to go through the roof. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's encouraging to see Weird Barbie taking a bit of a center stage here as a result mm-hmm. of it. Sounds more like a Funko Pop kind of like a, a collector's edition thing, and less like an actual Barbie toy that someone's going to play with. If you want a Weird Bob Barbie, you can make your own Weird Barbie. That's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Just get well, some it'll be interesting to see what happens next. I did want to pivot a little bit to. Uh, you know what? Let's start off with Orlando. Florida Orlando, Florida, or... okay. okay, has released a number of ads. They've been targeting podcasts and uh, online videos, and they've run a huge campaign trying to get people into the city. Okay, in particular, they've been running campaigns saying, uh, "Orlando, Florida, pride lives here, full of pride." We got a hundred out of a hundred by HRC's recent cities ranking, what have you. And the reason being is that a lot of organizations have said queer organizations in the United States avoid Florida like the plague. Mm -hmm. And uh, Orlando has seen a 3% drop in tourism in the last year alone. Mm-hmm. Um, even compared to the previous years, which were literally the pandemic. So mm-hmm. <laughs> they were like, this is not good. Um, the HRC uh, 100 out of 100 rating was before uh, the vast majority of Ron DeSantis's various pieces of legislation. But mm-hmm. I bring it up because there seems to be this, this pressure building now where these laws and changes to legal frameworks, you know, it's now the case. I saw a British TikToker talking about the fact that if he went to visit Orlando, for example, and fell over, cut open his knee, whatever, called an ambulance, that ambulance driver can refuse to give him service if that ambulance driver thinks he's gay. And to a European, that is out of this world but 
there have been a number of court cases and court cases that were upheld mm -hmm. where you cannot force someone to provide service if it's against your religious beliefs. Okay. And I, because I'm saying this because I saw your eyebrows merge with your hairline <laughs> when I noted that. Yeah. This reputation that Orlando and Florida is having is becoming more and more hostile to the LGBT community to yep. the point where they're running ads, almost begging people to come and visit. Mm -hmm. But part of me I, is like skeptical. If that's an actual thing, I, I think there's probably some kind of like that. That that sounds like the kind of thing that you'd be legislating against. I mean, this is a civil rights thing. The whole '60s and '70s was against this kind of thing. Um, but it, it, the story, if you're talking about tourism, it doesn't matter what the reality is. If that's what people believe, tourism, like the taps are going to get turned off, basically. Yeah. Um, and that's the problem, really. It doesn't like. I doubt it's true, uh, but whether it's true or not doesn't change the fact that there has been a dip in tourism as a result of all this. Uh, there, there's going to be certain things that are always going to happen. Like there's major parties that have happened in Miami every year since the eighties. They're probably still going to go on. The attendance might go down a little bit, but I don't know. I, I don't, I don't see whatever local gay culture there is in Florida, just evaporating overnight. I could see it. Um, I don't know. I, I could see the 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 floodwaters going down a little bit. You know, I, I could see it drying out a little bit, but not completely not 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 turning into a desert. I mean, it is Florida. Disney is there. Miami is there. The the state has a reputation. Um, Gay days in Disney. I'm sure that's never going to stop. But yeah, well, mm, maybe. But also when you're talking about something like Orlando, a three percent drop is millions of dollars possibly hundreds of millions of dollars like yeah that is that is a significant amount of money not coming into the state as a result of that so i could see them being concerned yeah i mean it, it makes sense and i don't know it's it's raised that question of you know when you're acting enacting all of these laws and you're appearing to be tough on queer culture mm -hmm. then queer culture is not going to come and visit and spend mm -hmm. their money Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and I think that this is part of the what we like to call consequences. Yeah, well, I, I've seen a lot of lawyers reacting to a lot of the, the legislation that's come in and they've been, you know, saying it, it's not really what people think it is. But it, part of the issue is that even though I mean, it depends on which legislation we're talking about. Some of it is exactly what you think it is. Some of it's worse. A lot of it's not half as bad as as it's being reputed to be. But the, the problem is that the, the state is not going out of its way to say, hey, guys, you got this wrong. They're basically just saying, if you misunderstand our laws, that's your business. And now it's turning into their business. And I mean, by business, I mean, actual business, 3% of their tourism industry's worth in a state that's famous for tourism. Mm -hmm. So, I mean... The Florida Keys. I mean, we could go on about all the, the Everglades. Like, this place is famous for tourism. Like, you don't, they're going to screw themselves if they don't just come out and say, like, guys, this is, we're doing something other than what you think we're doing. They're not, they're not really working hard at this. They're not really working hard at trying to get people to understand what they're doing. Um, and as I said, some of it is worse than you probably think it is, but it's, they're not even trying. They're just like, yeah, we're just enacting this stuff. And if you don't live in Florida, it's not going to affect you. Well, no, because <laughs> it's it's ruining their tourism industry. So I don't know.
Absolutely. Well, we're going to keep an eye on it as it unfolds. But for now, this is Big Gay Hands from the Never Give Up album by Partner. And uh, just for the audience's sake, uh, Sebastian showed me his big gay hands. I uh, have very large hands. My, I, really I don't do. think my hands are that large. My my <laughs> hands are normal hand sized. I mean, <laughs> you know, but there we go. Uh-huh. All right. This is Big Gay Hands by Partner. We'll be back just after this. to Can Queer, home of Canada's queer medium. My name remains Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. And uh, we were talking about a whole bunch of things. Now, one of the things that came up uh, this past week is that Iraq has very kindly asked people not to use the term homosexuality. 
They're using the word sexual deviance instead. No, they're not using the word sexual deviance instead. They're using the uh, Farsi or Arabic word for sexual deviance instead of the Farsi or Arabic word for homosexuality, obviously, because they don't have to speak English in the media in Iran. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the whole thing is just, to me, it's cartoonish um, because you're, you're looking at a country with a, uh, oh no, Iraq, not Iran. So yeah, it would just be Arabic. I don't think they they speak a lot of Farsi there. Um. Uh. Yeah. No. When you're talking about uh, ultra conservative sort of Ayatollah led countries, I think having sex while standing up is considered perverse. Uh. So if you're talking about sexual perversions, uh, you're gonna have to be a bit more specific when you're talking about that kind of thing. It's um. I don't know. The 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 whole thing is just bizarre i don't know what to think of this other than just okay um it's not great but i think they've got bigger fish to fry there than what words they use i think there are fundamental human rights issues and the media ban is just a weird cartoonish frosting on a very bad cake i don't know yeah. how else to frame this do you know what i mean well, it's been uh, it was a uh, uh, document and advice issued by the Iraqi Communications and Media Commission, mm -hmm. saying that the use of the word gender and the term homosexuality uh, were effectively banned uh, and is prohibited by all phone and internet companies licensed to be able to use it in any of their mobile phone applications um, or. Uh, anywhere else so you won't be able to list or have the word gender um on any apps or for example your small news site uh, or a news broadcaster won't be able to mention the word homosexuality um so for example if uh the openly gay Prime Minister of, I forget which Nordic country, comes to visit, then they will have to be referred to as the sexually deviant Prime Minister of uh, insert Nordic country. Uh, you know there. what I'm looking up right now? You could probably hear me typing. Do you know what I'm looking up right yeah, now? Yeah, but it's really, it's about controlling the narrative uh, 100%. Kurdish, of course. Yeah, Kurdish has grammatical gender. So, like, if you're talking about grammatical gender, how are you going to talk about grammatical gender? Like on nouns and stuff, you know, French, for example, has une and un. So like, I don't know. The, the whole thing is like, what? what? This is this is so bizarre to me. It's yeah. such a weird thing to enforce. Well, I guess you can't talk about uh, uh, you can't you can't help somebody with their homework, I guess, unless you're there in person. Well, there is. Uh, I want to switch now to Malaysia for a second. Okay. Now, Malaysia, we are going to talk about the 1975, which is a British uh, band. Mm -hmm. But the other reason why I wanted to talk about Malaysia is, I don't know if you recall, that they were trying to crack down on, uh, I think it's Swatch Watches. Okay. Uh, which I believe is a Swiss brand. Um, but yeah, they released a whole bunch of Pride-themed watches okay. uh, then there was a, a store that sold them it got raided by the police all the watches were taken away mm -hmm. uh, because how dare there be gay watches uh corrupting people it's outrageous um okay. anyway so they're now uh, they're now back out but there could be a fine of up to the equivalent of three thousand four hundred uh or maybe about four or five grand canadian 
um, for having these pride-themed watches uh, in Malaysia. So it is not a very welcoming place to LGBT folks. Now, Matt yeah. Healy of 1975, uh, when he was on stage at a festival in Malaysia, uh, we mentioned mm-hmm. it a couple of weeks ago last week, yes. um, really went hard on criticizing the government, criticizing the anti-gay legislation that's in place, saying effectively that uh, would never have agreed had he known that it was illegal, and then uh, kissed one of his bandmates, I think uh, Ross MacDonald, on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, the Malaysian government effectively shut down the uh, concert uh, immediately afterwards, or the festival, rather. The um, festival, yeah. Gay sex is criminal there. It's got about 20 years in prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the festival, Good Vibes Festival, is taking Matt Healy to court in Malaysia, mm-hmm. uh, for about $2.7 million in damages from the British band uh, in return on behalf of uh, Future Sound Asia, the organisers. So essentially, because of Matt Healy's grandstanding, mm-hmm. the festival got shut down, um, causing all kinds of trouble for the festival organisers, and they are now suing the band for millions of dollars in damages. Mm-hmm. This just makes me think of when Ricky Gervais was hosting the Oscars and he said, just take your little prize and say thank you and then leave the stage. You are you don't know what you're talking about. I'm sure you're well-intended, but you're just a celebrity. You're probably going to make things worse. Do you remember that? I don't, but it sounds very on brand for Ricky Gervais. Yeah, <laughs> just this idea. I don't know. I understand why, why, you know, the, the, the frontman of, of, the 1975 decided to speak up but this is a very sensitive topic in a country where this is a very major issue and when there's human rights issues on the table and free speech is not a protected thing there you got to be very careful what you do and how you do it or you might make things worse which he may have and i don't know i i think if you want to get involved in activism, there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And I think he did it the wrongest way. But I'm wondering if the Malaysians have shot themselves in a foot here. Who in their right mind would ever want to go and tour in Malaysia when there's a risk of you saying the wrong thing mm-hmm. or doing the wrong thing or being quoted? The government getting annoyed at it and now you're sued for millions you know what i mean like it's like it's a very it's become a very risky financial decision regardless chinese, of whether or not you're gay chinese heavy metal is really popular in malaysia and indonesian hip-hop is pretty popular in, in malaysia music is a pretty broad thing yeah no if, if you're from the west and you're from an english-speaking country you're probably not going to be welcome in malaysia but there's there's more to the world in the anglosphere Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he may have cut off the entire Anglosphere and possibly like the West between quotes from from being welcome in Malaysia in the future. So, I mean, you're not wrong. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just giving details. Um, One of the things that we are monitoring at the moment is uh, we mentioned before about how there are moves at Grinder to mm-hmm. potentially unionize. Uh, and fortunately, this has not gone over particularly well with grinder 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're not keen on having a unionized environment. In fact, they are being accused of union busting. Mm-hmm. Now, I believe that after the pandemic, the vast majority of grinders' workforce were working remotely. Mm-hmm. And uh, since efforts to unionize have begun, they have been given two weeks to move to major urban centers where grinder will now have in-person offices. Okay. And anyone who chooses not to will not be working in those offices. Hmm. That is interesting. Yeah. And actually, uh, now that I work in the tech sector, I could see why a software company like Grindr would probably resist unions. And a lot of that has to just just has to do with how the tech sector works. Um, when you have a union, it's hard. It, well, it's it's hard to fire people, but sometimes it's hard to hire people as well. And a lot of uh, tech companies are very project based. So if you need to hire, I don't know, two two people onto the development team with expertise in some specific language or another, and then a bunch of people in the quality testing department who also understand that to get it done. And then that project is finished and you never need those people again. uh, You might be stuck with them. So I don't know. To me, this is kind of a tech sector story. I mean, obviously it does step on the, the LGBT angle. Um, But yeah, no, it's really interesting how, I don't know. It's sort of a canary in the coal mine mine situation because um, Google and uh, Meta uh, are also going through issues with remote work and unions and uh, queer representation as well. But we've we've covered those stories in the past. There's nothing new there. Weird. I think part of the issue is they were only given two weeks. Oh well, to decide. Yeah, no, no, usually you're given two months. If you're talking about moving cities, uh, two months is pretty standard. You yeah, they were two giving two weeks like... to make the decision yeah. and uh, to let Grindr know that they are within 50 miles of uh, their new offices. So okay. not even where they previously were, new offices that everyone would have to move to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, if you did not have concrete plans to be there by October 31st, uh, your job will end August 31st. It's going to be the worst Halloween ever. It will be pretty grim. Mm. And uh, anyway, it's worth pointing out that this story has gone viral on social media as the gays are concerned about Grindr's ability to function once uh, a lot of the staff are potentially cut off. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, there is definitely a a rising panic amongst the gays Mm. um, for what their favorite app has in store. Their favorite and also their most hated. It's standard for people to openly hate it, but still use it every day. It's 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 a weird relationship. Actually, a lot of people feel the same about TikTok and Facebook and most social media, really. I would be okay if we threw all the social media in the ocean, and yet I'm also a user. So, I mean, it's weird. It's it's The world is weird. We're, we live in a weird time. Absolutely. Well, I think we are just about done for today. We're going to be playing out by a new track from Tegan and Sarah. This is called Girls Talk. Mm-hmm. And I have been Luke Smith. And I'm Mr. Bashman. And thank you for listening.
Was it real? 